How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about. Basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So Jordan Rodriguez covers the Rams um, for The Athletic, and she had a phenomenal podcast series called The Play Callers, and that was the last time we had Jordan on the show because it involved you know guys like, uh, obviously, uh, Sean and Kyle and Mike McDaniel and Matt LaFleur, and it was really, really well done. Um, but that's not why we're having you on today. Although I would ask you, how did it go? How, what was the response to it? Yeah, good morning. Um, the response was was overwhelming in a positive way. People were so kind about it, you, you, yourselves included. Um, and the coaches, I, I do, you know, they uh, some of them say, you know, on a broad scale across the league, oh, you don't listen to anything, you don't see anything. But um, I do know that they listen to this, and I think it, uh, I think, even though some of it, you know, the competitive nature flares up, you, you know, I think that they came away with uh, happy that they participated in it. So, um, yeah, it's and it served to be pretty prescient, I think, for for the season ahead, seeing a lot of these guys work through different things and having to problem solve, and then in other cases, just simply dominate. So it's been uh, it, it's just been fun, and I can't believe this much time has gone by already. Yeah. Um, by the way, it's still available. The play callers anywhere you get a podcast, and it really was about sort of this group of coaches, all starting here in D.C. with Mike Shanahan uh, off the Shanahan tree. Although Jay Gruden points out to me, and rightly so, Sean McVay really originates from the Gruden tree, where he first worked in Tampa, and then obviously became an offensive coordinator, like Kevin O'Connell did under. Jay Gruden. Um, anyway, Jordan covers the Rams for the Athletic at Jordan Rodrigue. It's J O U R D A N R O D R I G U E on Twitter. So, uh, tell me about the Rams. This has been an interesting season. You know, going into this season, I, I don't know what their over-under on, on wins were, but it wasn't high. There weren't a lot of expectations. At one point in this season, I think they were 3-7 and seven, um, or something close, close to that, 3-6. and six. Uh, How have they turned it around? Yeah, it's interesting. You saw them um, putting together a lot of the theory earlier in early in the year, and they they opened with a pretty brutal schedule that compounded by just an overall lack of experience on their roster, particularly defense and special teams. And then the offense wasn't getting off the ground um, in the early parts of the year. And but you could see all this theory come to get start to form, right? You could see what they were at least trying to do. The execution was not there. Um, you know, they changed from a mid and wide zone running team to a totally a gap team completely. Um, they changed a lot of their passing concepts. Um, there's still that 11 personnel illusion of complexity team, but now they're doing it with uh, rookie receiver Puka Nakua as well as Cooper Cup. They're like the Cup Woods 2.0 throwback, but mixed in with a lot of different types of motion blocking. And it's just interesting because you could see all these things. They're trying to put all of it together, missing cups at the beginning of the year. So you only saw a partial look at the passing game. And then post-bye week with Matthew Stafford back from that UCL sprain in his thumb and then Cooper Cup back and Kyron Williams kind of bursting onto the scene, the running back, um, all of it started really coming together. And it also helped that their schedule got a little bit easier and their defense got, had gotten a lot more snaps together at that point. So now you're seeing the more uh, um, evolved iteration of what they were going for here through the year. 
I mean, Matt Stafford, for just the first time in his career, threw three touchdown passes or more for three consecutive games. And there have been times when we as NFL fans have watched Matt Stafford over the last couple of years when he has played, and it's like, oh, wow. I mean, that injury, he just doesn't have the arm strength or ability that he he did pre-injury. But the last few weeks you've seen it, so is he completely healthy and is he a big part of, of why they're doing what they're doing? Well, he's a huge part of why they're doing what they're doing. I would also point to Kyron Williams um, in right. terms of the overall success rate and production when he is on the field is exponentially higher. Um, just having this run game, Sean McVay has always sort of yearned to go back to having that dominant run game. It's just they're doing it in a different way schematically than they did when he first got into the league. Um, But I think with Matthew, you know, I wouldn't say he's completely healthy. I wouldn't say Cooper Cup's completely healthy either. But they have been recovering on the fly from their respective injuries. And it's been interesting. You see it every week, the improvement. Matthew Stafford, you know, we, we know him always to, like, one or two times a game, he'll take the trick shot, right? The throw that he made that was oh. indicative to me of most of, you know, most of his health is back, if not all of it, um, was this like submarine throw that he, like a scene ball that he threw to Demarcus Robinson. It was a riser and it was incomplete. So not a lot of people will probably notice it. Um, but it was, he, it was the elbow and the thumb, both healthy to me from, from that throw. Now, because it was a sprain, you know, you're, you're not probably going to be fully healthy through the end of the year, but he's clicking as about as well as he has been um, since the start of the year when he kind of blew the doors off. I've always been a huge Stafford fan, but I, I watched a lot of the Baltimore game on Sunday, and it's funny, you know, there were so many throws, you're like, oh my God, he's back. But then <laughs> he also will do the thing that Stafford's done before. At the end of regulation, down three, he threw that ball into the end zone that was totally up for grabs, that should have been picked. I think it was for Robinson, it may have been for Cup, I forget. Um but uh, but it was dropped, and they ended up kicking the field goal going to overtime. Um, you, you said something that's very interesting, and I think a lot of people listening in our audience kind of understand this because it's the Shanahan run scheme. It's what we've seen with Kyle. It's what we've seen with Sean before. A lot of inside and outside zone, a lot of zone run scheme. And you're saying that basically they've gone to more power, more duo, more gap. So why did they do that? Because we haven't watched the Rams closely. That's a staple, you know, that zone run scheme, getting those D linemen moving side to side, then coming back with bootleg, coming back with play action. Why are they running the ball differently? Well, I'm so you, I'm so glad you asked that question because most of the time people will say they are doing it versus looking at the why. And you know better than most that this is a why group, right? Like this entire family is right. all about the why. And with this, it, it was a, it was a sort of a, a multiple faceted decision that he had sort of been itching towards for a, a little bit. First and foremost, um, the way that the league had responded to the wide zone, you're seeing a lot faster edge players. You're seeing players who are able to align wider along the field and players who can, and can play that wide zone um, because they're seeing more of it because it's becoming, it has become such um, a popular over the last several years concept to use because it also helped with the team build and you could get, you know, offensive linemen maybe lower in your, in your draft selection because you weren't looking for size or power. You were looking for shiftiness and lateral movement and, and the ability to layer those blocks together. But the league has started com- shifting back around again to understanding defenses, understand how to play that wide zone. I think better than ever um, we're seeing it across the league defense is having their moment right now. Um, Offense, in some cases, maybe not so much. So he's kind of been wanting to go back. I think part of it is also seeing Kyle Shanahan actually did this um, a year and a half, two years ago, started moving in this direction, and and there's positive tape from it. When you can have this variety, and then, you know, they're never going to draft a running back with a high pick again. That's just not how their team build works. Um, And so when you have can find these runners in the later, middle to later rounds of the draft, Kyron Williams is a fifth-round pick, but what he does – really well, Les Snead calls it, you know, they, they call these traits the superpower, is he understands how to set up the linebacker once the block is open. And that's, it. that's what duo is. You're basically yeah. scheming up the linebacker right. after the block is open. And so he understands how to do that very well, and he's ex- extremely successful at this thing that they're basically hitting the spam button on every single game. 
And um, it's also helped with, you know, that also meant, okay, you have to bring in bigger linemen. Okay, so you're spending more premium picks on, on the offensive line. You're bringing in Kevin Dotson to beef up your interior line a little bit. Well, the factor of that that also helps is your quarterback's more protected. So it's kind of a multi-layered, multi-faceted decision um, that is finally the second half of the season producing dividends for them. Really good stuff, um, Jordan. Uh, Jordan Rodriguez joining us uh, from L.A. Rams and Washington Sunday, 4.05 Eastern uh, at SoFi. It's a huge game for the Rams because they certainly had a chance Sunday in the rain at Baltimore to make it four in a row, but they lost on the punt return in overtime. They're sitting there at 6-7, and seven, but very much in the playoff race, uh, which is bunched up. I mean, right now in the NFC, as we've talked about before, after the Dallas-Philadelphia, you know, runner-up in the NFC East takes the five seed, uh, there are so many teams in the hunt for the six and seven seed with Minnesota at seven, six, Green Bay, LA, Seattle, Atlanta, New Orleans, and 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 Tampa all at six and seven. One of those teams will win the division, but it's a huge battle. And the Rams have been playing as well as any of these teams. I wanted to ask you about Sean, because last year, remember, at the end of what was a very difficult season, it seemed like there was a chance he was going to hang it up. And I think a lot of people close to him said, don't do that, not after a bad season. It'll give off the perception that you're bailing, that you don't believe, you know, after the, the one bad year. And he came back, and there were no expectations for this season, Jordan. And here they are on the verge of potentially making a playoff run. And if they get there, they got a lot of experience when they get there, you know, with, with you know, the, the players that they have on defense and offense. So where is he now in terms of his coaching present and future? Yeah, it's such an interesting question because he will be questioned, I think, now after every, because it was two years in a row. One of them, I think we can logically say was a little bit more contract motivated, but um, the second year was real. What he went through was real and, and it was hard. And, you know, I covered it extensively at the athletic and on play callers. Um, it was, it was a, a, I think a personal low for him um, sifting through that process and that decision and also how he was feeling at that time on a personal and a professional level. Um, he's not there anymore. Um, you know, I was really impressed with the way that he re, re, um, almost relearned his coaching fundamentals over this last spring and summer and went deeper into the roster than I have seen him because uh, since I have been here since 2020, um, went deeper into the roster in terms of um, spending more time with more areas uh, that, that, you know, every head coach has their area of expertise, right? But you're seeing him this year delegate more um, in terms of, okay, Mike LaFleur, Zach Robinson, Jake Peets, Ron Gould, Eric Yarber, you're taking the offense right now. Um, and I'm going over with the defense to spend time and, and coach up those players as well alongside Raheem Morris. You're seeing him really kind of, I think, rediscover what he loves about coaching, and that's been really fascinating to watch all year, and the players certainly feel it. They've got, you know, seven rookies playing significant minutes for them, and they had 44 rookies on this roster to open training camp in their 90-man. And so these guys don't know, what it, what it, first of all, what it's like to be in the NFL and what the pressure is like, and they also don't know what he went through before this last when they when they met him, he's just Sean McVay, the the young you know the young coaching legend so early in his career, and they don't know. And the thing that was interesting is he never showed them the bad things that he had been through, or the things that had happened to him, or the things that he had sort of self inflicted upon. What were himself. some of those things, Jordan? Just the the pressure and the um you know we talked about it a lot this last uh, time we talked was constantly trying to run outrun your own creations of, of your innovations that you build and the pressure and the stress and the, and the work pace and, and sort of that um, compartmentalizing into yourself and um, being a thermostat in the room when things aren't going well, having the ability to bring people with you for the positive, but when things are, are uh, devastating in your own head, um, dragging everybody down as well. And he's open. He's been really open about that through this, this last year and but his guys this year have not seen that his guys this year haven't had a chance to see what was then they're only seeing what is happening now and I think what's happening now is just this holistic growth and I do think that he does feel that energy from these players 
he's having, I think, more fun coaching this year than I have seen him other than the end of that 2021 season. And yet that was the end of it. So I think that it's been really fascinating to watch. I don't, I can never speak to his future. I think everything will be always be questioned with him from the external side. Um, But I do know, and I do see with my own eyes, a person who has rediscovered their why in coaching. And I think that's a powerful thing. Um, It was his, was his health affected? I mean, you, you're kind of speaking to the mental drain, but was his physical health ever an issue? You know what? I don't know about that, Kevin, but I do know that a, a lot of these guys, which the season does take a physical toll on them. I mean, you hear Kyle Shanahan and, and Mike McDaniel talk about the amount of weight that they lose over the course of the season, and you hear about just the um, the, the work and, and how it starts to build up from a stress perspective. I, I can't speak on his physical health, but um, it does the the, the the job of a coach who works at that level, who who operates at that pace, especially a play calling coach. Um, it is a different workload than I think a lot of us on the outside see or or even could um, truly comprehend. Talking to Jordan Rodriguez, she covers uh, the Rams for the Athletic. Uh, so two more. Um, I really appreciate this. First of all, like how do you see the matchup Sunday? Washington's been throttled two two games in a row, but they're coming off a bye week. I'm sure you know the coaching change that's you know the coaching regime change that's coming at the mm-hmm. end of this season. But um, is this a game that you guys in LA look at and think is a tough game, tough matchup? How do you view it? Well, I don't, I don't look at it as, a, as a, a, a cakewalk, for sure, because historically, Ron Rivera has called a great defense against Sean McFay. So I, I, don't, I don't look at that as, as like, I don't look at this as a simple game by any means um, for the Rams. I think on the other side of the ball, what they really have to be wary of and what the commanders are probably circling and looking at is when the Rams have faced quarterbacks who can operate out of structure, especially with speed players on the other side, they have really struggled defensively because they get the initial pressure with Aaron Donald. I mean, he's still Aaron Donald, guys, spoiler alert. Um, But, you know, they get the initial pressure, but that transitional pressure that Aaron Donald always talks about, that second effort containing putting the cap on the quarterback, that's just not been there all season. Third and medium, second and medium have really killed them, especially with quarterbacks who can move or operate out of structure. And it's still a young defense. I mean, they get better every week. They have some negative outliers. Um, but this is still a group that is still very much learning what the course of the season entails. And they struggled last week. Uh, you know, you, the secondary in particular had some big coverage breakdowns, um, a bad call on, on one of the, in, in one of the examples, but some coverage breakdowns that really hurt them. And that, that's a group that's been improving all season, but they are still fallible too a quarterback who can operate out of structure because of how long they have to cover and because the pressure has just not consistently been there. They've had some individual statistics that have been so impressive from their rookies, Kobe Turner and Byron Young, but that altogether rush effort just has not been consistent. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things I have circled. The other thing is they're 0-6 against teams that have just come off their bye this season. So uh, they've played six teams that have come wow. off their bye this season. They're 0-6. This will be the sixth or the seventh? I believe this is the seventh team this season that they've played. Wow. And hold on. I didn't know that. So they've played six teams already coming off their bye week. Have all of those games been with the Rams playing on normal week to week rest? Seven days? all, all but one, and I, it's either five or six, Kevin. You have to fact check me on it, but it's five or six, but they've lost all of them. Wow. Interesting. Um, last one. Uh, it's a team with a lot of experience, certainly a quarterback, head coach, and one of the defensive tackles for sure, one of the receivers for sure. Like, do you are you looking at this team? Like, if they get in, they, they can do damage in January? Like, what do you think the ceiling is? I think, for me, when I look at this team, I see a group that no other team wants to play. And I think that that's maybe the highest uh, esteem that I can give them, especially in consideration of where everybody thought they would be. Um, You know, this is a group where we've seen Matthew Stafford go full, you know, dark chaos mode. And, and, you know, that, that, that playoff run in 21 was not that long ago to where you remember what he's capable of once he gets his foot in the door. And so I think that that's, 
that's obviously an interesting element. Their health, generally speaking, is, is pretty good this time of year. So that's a factor as well. But I do think that overall, the most, um, I guess, comprehensive thing I can say about this group is they're playing like a team that nobody else wants to face, whether you're the Cowboys, whether you're, you know, you're coming up and, and you, you won three, four games, five games, you, you do not want to play this Rams team. And I think that's a high compliment to how they've put it together down the stretch here. They're going to be an interesting team. And I think a lot of people around here, uh, you know, have rooted for Sean McVay from afar. It's good to see him back on his feet and looking healthy and happy and uh, probably happy at the end of Sunday, I would imagine, as well. Um, Jordan, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good work. Thank you for having me. I always love when we get to talk. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. You got it. Jordan Rodrigue, uh, at Jordan Rodrigue on Twitter. And that Play Callers podcast with Mike McDaniel and Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan was excellent um, and got rave reviews. So it's there anywhere you want to listen to it, wherever you get a podcast. All right. Uh, smell test next. Picks for the week. Six and two last week. Let's see if we can do better. This week, Kevin Sheehan show the Team 980 and the Team980.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. As most of you know by now, it's more than just, you know, you're conventional now. Wasn't conventional years ago, but your conventional contrarian anti-public play. Uh, you know, many of you ask me every week. I've had, yes, for multiple decades now, two decades anyway, two decades plus. Um, I know people who run a lot of offshore shops. Uh, let's just say that some of those people may have been from around here at one point in time. Um, so I get a lot of information from there as well. So it's it's really always been a combination of understanding the lines when they come out, just knowing now which side looks, you know, the public is going to perceive to be the right side based on a number they believe is wrong. Um, and then combine that with, you know, is it true that the public's playing that side heavily? And is the sharp money on the other side of that? Um, and I do get that information every week. Sometimes, as many of you know, I get some of that information over the course of the weekend, but I don't have a show on the weekend. So I try to tweet some of that out when we pull picks or add picks. Uh, rarely do I add picks. Um, six and two. Last week, um, good weekend. Uh, now up for the year, 78, 73, and 5. So up five units, heading in the right direction. So the, the bowl games all get underway tomorrow. I mean, there is a slate of bowl games that start at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, there are six games. They go 11 a.m. until the last one kicks off at 9.15. The Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. I think that's in Shreveport, Louisiana. That kicks off at 9.15. But you also have an NFL triple header uh, tomorrow um, with a game at 1 o'clock, a game at 4.30, and then a pretty good Saturday night game tomorrow night with Denver and Detroit. But on the bowl games... This is really a hard thing to do. I know I've given out bowl games in the past, but they're not usually games this early in the bowl season. You just have too much in this day and age of opt-outs 
That's number one. Transfer portal guys, um, so they're opting out because they're going into the NFL draft. They don't want to get hurt, or they're they've already entered the transfer portal. And you get teams playing in these bowl games that don't resemble the teams that played in the regular season, and so you have no idea what these teams are going to look like. It's fun bowl season as a gambler to have action, you know, on. Next uh, Tuesday night, the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl, which I think is in Texas. I think that's in Fort Worth. I could be wrong. Between Marshall and UTSA, because there's a game on every single night. And really, there are multiple games on most nights and days from now until January 2nd, I guess. Um, But I'm not giving out any of the Saturday's six-game Slate. There's a Monday game, and I may have a selection in that game between Old Dominion and Western Kentucky, um, but I'll give that one out on Monday if we get there. But none of the six bowl games, it's, yeah, there's some public, uh, publicly bet sides, but a lot of the sharp money at times is either is not at odds with the public money. I don't know. Tough time of year to look at bowl games. So I'm passing on all of those. Let's go to Sunday. I'm sorry. Let's go to Saturday. But we're going to talk NFL Saturday because there are two games in the smell test with Saturday games. The first game is Minnesota getting three at Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati has gone back-to-back now with Jake Browning. 34-31 over Jacksonville in overtime on Monday Night Football. And then last week, blowing out Indianapolis 34-14 at home. All of a sudden, Cincinnati looks like a potential playoff team, though they were completely counted out when they lost Joe Burrow a few weeks ago. Meantime, Minnesota is 7-6. and six. Uh, But they are, right now, an offensive team that is struggling. Now, they benched Josh Dobbs. Uh, They couldn't watch that anymore. Uh, He was great in that first game that they played after Kirk got hurt against Atlanta, running around making plays. Um, But they got shut out. They they won last week 3-0. 3-0 over a Raiders team. Uh, That is really good. What it speaks to is just how good Minnesota is defensively this year. If they had had this defense last year, your boy, you know who, would have won a couple of playoff games. Um, But anyway, uh, they're really good defensively. Cincinnati scored 34 two games in a row. They've seemed to right the ship. The public loves the Bengals at home against a perceived Minnesota team that can't score. Uh, Minnesota's not starting Dobbs. They're starting Mullins, Nick Mullins. He's been, uh, you know, a very effective spot starter and backup. You know, he's not a full-time starter in the NFL, that's for sure. He's been given that opportunity many, many times. But they should be better offensively with Mullins. I'm going to take the Vikings plus the three in Cincinnati tomorrow in the early game. Public like Cincinnati, there is sharp money on Minnesota, and I think the idea is that Mullins will give them a little bit more offensively than Dobbs did, but defensively, look out. This Brian Flores defense is incredible, and he may do a number tomorrow on Jake Browning in Cincinnati. Another Saturday game, and it's the next one on the docket, Pittsburgh. All right, they got beat two games in a row by two two and ten teams, Arizona and New England. It certainly seems like they are falling apart at the seams. They are on the road against an indie team that got blown out, as just mentioned, by Cincinnati, but they had won four in a row before losing that game at Cincinnati. And Indy's only a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. And this right now is the most public bet team of the weekend, the Colts against the Steelers. I'll take the Steelers. There are some twos out there, so I'm going to take them at plus two. I'm going to give myself the best number that's out there. A lot of one-and-a-halves, a lot of twos. Sharp money, believe it or not, on Pittsburgh. It's on their defense, for sure, not their offense. Somehow the Steelers get it done in Indy. Plus the two. Let's go to Sunday, where weather's going to be a factor in a lot of games. I don't know if you guys know the big East Coast Nor'easter that we are going to get. Um, unfortunately, it's going to be rain. We don't have enough cold air around. This would have been, Doug Cameron will attest, uh, Topper Shut will attest, 
if we had a little bit of cold cold air, a little bit of high pressure to our north, this would have been a two-foot snowstorm on Sunday into Monday. Um, it's still possible we get some snow on the back end of it, but not a lot, something like what we saw the other day. But it's going to affect a lot of games on Sunday. Rain in Cleveland, rain in Foxborough, rain in Carolina, um, rain in in Buffalo for the Cowboys uh, Bills game. Uh, so keep an eye on that uh, as far as Sunday goes. But let me get to the picks. So the Bears are getting three at Cleveland. We've talked a lot about the Bears and the way they've been playing. And man, that's going to make an interesting offseason decision. You know, does Poles, their GM, decide to build around Justin Fields again? Or does he decide to draft Caleb Williams with the Carolina Panthers draft that they have, draft choice that they have, and have a rookie, you know, rook, rookie deal rather than Fields going into his last year? They've got to pick up the they didn't pick up the option on Fields. Remember, and here's the thing, you know, because Fields is only under contract for one year after this, Denton, the trade value back won't be super high for him because unless teams can get him signed. Um, but anyway, that'll be an interesting offseason conversation. In the meantime, the Bears are actually legitimately in the NFC playoff race right now at 5-8. and eight. But this is their crucial game. Because if they can go to Cleveland and somehow pull off a win at Cleveland, they've got the Cardinals and Falcons the next two weeks at home. And that would probably give them a chance to go to Lambeau in the season finale. I'm already looking at that as potentially the Sunday night season finale game for a playoff spot in the NFC. But they got to beat Cleveland. They're catching three. The public loves the Browns. The Browns are really banged up. I don't know if people realize this. They are very banged up along their offensive line. On defense, they're missing pieces. Uh, Flacco was outstanding last week. They made some plays turnover-wise against Lawrence. That's the key. Uh, takeaways for Cleveland against Justin Fields. If they don't get any, I think they could lose this game outright. Public likes the Browns. I'll take Chicago plus the three. Um, Okay, this is the weekly I'm giving you another terrible team to play, and I know I gave them out last week, but I also gave out the Jets last week, and they got it done. Uh, But I'm giving out the Panthers once again. How is it that the Falcons, who are tied for first in the NFC South, and are playing a 1-12 football team, how are they only a three-point favorite? They actually could have and maybe should have beaten Tampa last week to get to 7-6. and six. The Panthers, meantime, have played better recently, but the final score wasn't indicative of that last week. I had them two weeks ago against Tampa, and they covered. Um, but they, I had them last week getting the 5.5-6 against New Orleans, and they got blown out. But the Panthers plus three will be probably the biggest need game for sports books, and I'm just wondering why that line's sitting there at three, and they just com- continue to invite more Atlanta action. And then, lastly, Sunday afternoon, 4:05, SoFi Stadium, Los Angeles, technically Inglewood, California, the home of the Forum in LA. Um, I'm four and one on Washington selections this year. Games involving. Washington. Now, I lost the last one I had Washington involved in, and it wasn't close, the Dallas game on Thanksgiving. Uh, But this line at 6.5 has the public better thinking that the line isn't enough. They look at it and they say, well, I can play the Rams, and all they have to do is win by 7 or more, and I win the bet. Uh, That line's been sitting there begging more action on the Rams all week long at 6.5. I'll do what I do here by the half point. Um, it might go to seven. Who knows? And play Washington plus the seven. Uh, and that's the smell test for the week. Um, I I hesitate putting my money on a team that two weeks in a row, and I shouldn't say the, the Dallas game was not a quit game. The Miami game was a no-chancer from the start, and they just seemed to really bow out um, ungracefully uh, and without much competitive fight in that game. And that does concern me with everything that's swirling, and we know that this staff, you know, I don't know that they've checked out, but they will be checking out now in less than four weeks. 
So, uh, and the matchup isn't what it was. It's not a Miami matchup. I think Washington might be able to move the ball against the Rams, and you might end up with kind of a high-scoring, you know, thirty-five, you know, thirty. Not that not maybe not that maybe a twenty-eight, twenty-three kind of a game. Um, Washington plus the seven. So the smell test. Two of them tomorrow. Minnesota plus three. Pittsburgh plus two. Sunday, the Bears plus three. The Panthers plus three. And Washington buying the half point plus plus seven. I think Seattle will be in the smell test, but I need to wait on that because the Geno Smiths thing is still in question. Um, but Monday, I may add a bowl game and the Monday night game, Seattle and Philadelphia to the smell test. So tune back in on Monday for that, especially if I go like three and two this weekend or four and one. Three and two is fine, people. 60%. You're in good shape if you go 60% all every week, uh, especially if you're betting more than 5 or 10 bucks a game. Uh, but like always, this was for entertainment purposes only. Be careful if you're out there betting. And stop putting all these games into teeter- teasers, people. Stop tweeting me saying, yeah, I had two of your three, but I had a three-team teaser, so I lost. Well, stop putting them into three-team teasers. And just play them as straight bets, and then two and one is a winner. Dum dum. Teasers are profit margin for a casino uh, for a sports book. They love teasers. That's why they offer so many of them. Don't work these teams into three team teasers or any kind of teaser. Denton's news when we come back. Ben Standick at 12. Kevin Sheehan showed the Team 980 and the Team980.com. Caps in action last night. They were on the road in Philadelphia. They lose in a shootout 4-3. to Connor McMichael, Tom Wilson, and Dylan Strome all scored for the Caps. They're now 14-8-4 on the season. They'll be back in action tomorrow in Nashville to take on the Predators at 8 p.m. Last night, Thursday Night Football, Raiders take care of the Chargers 63-21. to That's a score of Gami. Never before in the NFL that score taken place. Aiden O'Connell, 20-34, 248 yards and four touchdowns for the Raiders. They're now 6-8 and on the season. And that's what's trending. Hitting the news you might have missed, it's Denton's Daily News. All right, Denton, what do you got? All right, so we got the college football playoff coming up here in just a matter of weeks. It's really approaching quickly. Alabama has made a new hire to their coaching staff. It is ex-Michigan staffer George Hilo. He was a linebackers coach in 2021 and 2022. I was hoping when I saw the title initially because it just said ex-staffer that it was going to be Connor Stallions, but that might have rubbed people the wrong way. Well, I was thinking that they hired somebody from this year's staff, and that would have been much different. This guy's actually been out of work, right, for a year? Uh, About a year. Yeah, a little less probably. And, you know, this team's different than last year's team to a certain degree. Um, But it's intel, that's for sure. Uh we haven't talked enough. We'll, we'll have plenty of time leading up to those games to talk about those games. Um, I can't wait for that day. Uh, not to mention that you know you also have on January. For, uh, no, no, no. Uh, Florida State, Georgia is not on Jan one, right? I think it's actually no. That's on, on uh, the week. I think it's the thirtieth. The thirtieth. Okay, the thirtieth. Yeah, because the thirtieth is a bowl day. Maryland plays on the thirtieth against Auburn in the Music City Bowl in Nashville. But um, uh, and then Sunday's an NFL day on the thirty-first, and then Monday will be uh, a bowl day. But there, there, Jaden Daniels plays. He has not opted out. Am I right about that? He's not opted out of the bowl game. I have not seen anywhere that he's opted out. Yet. Me neither. Which you know, and so you have that game. You also have the Iowa team that had totals in the twenties this year playing. Um, uh, your team plays on New Year's Day. That'll get you excited. Um, oh, yeah. And then yeah. you get you know playoff game number one in the Rose Bowl, Alabama, Michigan, and then the Sugar Bowl with Washington and Texas. I mean, the two matchups are really, really enticing matchups. Really enticing matchups. Right now, we'll, we'll have time to, 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 to flush these out. Forget about the point spread. Right now, who do you like to win both games? Right now, I uh, the first one is the one I struggle with the most with Michigan and Alabama because I want to lean Michigan, 
but J.J. McCarthy really has been playing great down the stretch of the season. I feel like this is going to change. Right now, I'm huge on Texas in the second one, which is actually like alarming. I feel the same way, but remember, we have to be careful because we really thought Oregon was going to crush, <laughs> yeah. wa- crush Washington. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel That's the same true. way about Texas. I love Texas in that second semifinal game. Yeah, that, that matchup, the matchup that I'm really excited about is not the matchup of quarterbacks. I think the... Washington offensive line versus Texas's defensive line is going to yeah. be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I kind of like Michigan. I kind of like a Michigan-Texas final. But I'm not going to be surprised by any outcome. No, this is the first year in a long time where I'll be happy with any outcome. I think all, te- all the four teams are deserving. Well, I was happy last year because I'm partial to TCU. <laughs> I, was, um, I was not. And uh, and that was really really cool to see. I and I I was not expecting a competitive game in the final, but not what we ended up getting sixty five to seven. I think it was, but that semifinal game was great. All right, what else do you have? All right, so we've talked a lot about over the course of the last couple of months the same way that every sports radio show has talked a lot about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. But Kevin, one of the things that I have found the most entertaining in this entire thing is entertainment outlets attempting to decipher just regular basic sports calendars that we are fully aware of. So if you don't mind, I would like to read you a tweet because Taylor Swift's birthday was this week. And this tweet comes from Entertainment Tonight. This is a huge, huge platform, right? Like they are pretty uh pretty locked into a lot of things. I never watched that anymore years ago when that show star started with um what's her face I'm forgetting her, even her name now <clears throat> she was from like North Dakota or something like that um who hosts that show now Oh I could I couldn't tell you I watched some of their interviews if it's people that I like or they're yeah. promoting a movie All right, that let, I like. read the tweet So here's the tweet Travis Kelsey was noticeably absent during Taylor Swift's 34th birthday celebration in New York City but for good reason a source tells E.T. that he, quote, remains committed to playing his best and doing his best on and off the field. The team practices are critical, mandatory to attend, and something he takes very seriously. <laughs> so it's no surprise he stayed in Kansas City ahead of this weekend's uh, game. What night quote. was the show in New York? Uh, her birthday party, I think, was Wednesday. It was Tuesday or Wednesday was her birthday. So it's like the well, Tuesday is a day off typically for the players. Although remember, Eric Bieniemy's the schedule in Kansas City was the one that Eric Bieniemy adopted here, which meant that Mondays were the day off, Tuesdays they were back to work. When players didn't like that, you know, he he wasn't respecting their time or whatever it was. Um, So, but still, yeah, Um, yeah, practice is important in the NFL. (laughs) They are mandatory, um, unless, of course, you're hurt. But if you're hurt, you still have to be there to meet with team doctors and to get checked out. Uh, Yeah, that's funny. I I think they're, you know, how many people watched the Super Bowl last year? 40-something million, 50 million. There Uh, are 300. Super Bowl? Yeah. 100, 140 million. 100 million. Okay. Yeah. Well, the country is 350 million in population. Is that what it is, roughly? Around that, yeah. So 250 million, you know, and a lot of those are people who are, you know, old and firmed, and a lot of those people are super young kids. <clears throat> but still, there are 150 million people at least that couldn't give two craps about football and don't understand any of it. So that's more than actually do. Um, but that's kind of funny. Do you have another good entertainment tweet about Travis Kelsey in football? No, that that's the only one I that's the only one I have. Unfortunately, are they are they going to be surprised that when he's not able to attend, you know, a Sunday afternoon show for her somewhere? Well, this was during a, a playoff this game. Was, this was a birthday party. <laughs> oh God, um, she, uh, the cutaways to Taylor Swift. Like we had a bunch of them on Sunday against Buffalo again. She's rather dramatic as a person, it would seem. Um, I mean, what do you expect? Also very talented. Okay, what else? All right, so did you, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to this story, but there are people within the NCAA or people within the world of college sports that are attempting to get the NCAA to lift the ban of second-year transfers having to wait a season. I feel like we've become so accustomed to guys jumping in and out of the portal. Well, some of it's grad transfers, so you can kind of loophole your way into being able to play immediately. But in winter sports, there has been a lot of pushback because guys have to, guys and girls have to sit out for at least a year if they transfer for the second time. 
Well, a TRO was issued that would allow athletes in winter sports uh, two weeks where they could play immediately. They don't have to sit out. They don't have to wait. They can play immediately. Well, yesterday, the NCAA came out because this is a battle in court with antitrust laws and all of these things. The NCAA has been under attack for years uh, because of these things. But the NCAA put out yesterday that any athlete in a winter sport that plays during that 14 14 day period would lose eligibility if the ruling ends up getting reversed and you would have to sit out a year as originally planned. They'd lose a year of eligibility for playing. I, I'm going to be honest with you, and it's not that you did a poor job explaining it. I'm not following that. So I do understand now, tell me if I'm wrong, that a college athlete now can transfer. It used to be that if you transferred, you had to sit a year out. Then it became if you transferred after a coaching change, you could have elig- you could be eligible right away with the new program. Now we're into you can transfer once and play immediately. Yes. And then, as you mentioned, you know there are grad school years where you have immediate eligibility, and that doesn't even count as a transfer year. But that's a fifth year typically, um, and. You're now saying that a player could theoretically, let's just say, let's use a, a real example, he could play at Michigan this year, uh, take his one transfer to Tennessee next year and play, and then transfer again without having to sit out a year for that second transfer to Illinois and play a third year. So three straight years of three different schools without a grad school or COVID year involved. Yeah, that that's is what, that what um, I understood. That's what they are. They're pushing for. Obviously, the NCAA is pushing back on that. But the the ones that are challenging them in court claim that forcing a player to sit out after a second transfer for a year violates antitrust laws. Right. Look, there's been so much progress here, uh, and when I say progress, it's not been necessarily progress for schools necessarily. Um, you know, college athletes have something now. College basketball and college football players and other college athletes too, just at a much lower, you know, revenue or compensation number, they now have something that professional athletes do not have. And that is they have essentially annual free agency. They play somewhere for a year and then they can go somewhere the next year and take the best deal and transfer without any impact to them, um, but big impact to the school that they left. A, the school paid them for the one year, and who knows, maybe they didn't perform uh, at a high level. B, the school is at their behest and at their whim of transferring or not transferring, and that's why it's gotten to be the wild, wild west this time of year with the portal. But you're saying now that they have unrestricted free agency with respect to the second transfer, potentially they don't have to sit out a year. It's it's quite yeah. it's quite remarkable. Like I I've been in conversations with people who still are hanging on. The athletes need to get paid. They need to get salaries. I'm like, do you understand what they have now? They have something that pro athletes don't have. They have annual free agency. They can price themselves out to the highest bidder, capitalism 101, every single year and move. And by the way, the performance helps them. It makes them more desirable, but they don't have to give the money back if they don't play well. This is why I, I really think NIL, there, there's gonna be there's gonna be a day of reckoning with a lot of schools where it's like we just spent five hundred thousand dollars on that quarterback. He didn't even play in a game because the the the, the three star or this three the three star recruit beat him out. And we were better off with the other guy. And now he's transferring some, somewhere else and making another half million and claims it was the coach's fault. Like, they have unrestricted free agency. Do people understand that, Denton, about college athletes right now? Uh, I'm sure they struggle with it. I think your uh, you're also valuation of $500,000 for a quarterback is way low. Well, it depends on the school. Clearly, it's multiple millions at the big schools, yes. There's a rumor that Tennessee has a guy coming in for $8 million next year. Yeah. Um... NIL's phenomenal. I'm not against it. I think it's great. I've never been against name, image, image, and likeness. I've always been in favor of that. 
I think the people that have been in favor of just paying straight salaries to players have no understanding of a P&L or how the economics of a college athletic program works. Um, you would have to basically eliminate every single other program, non-revenue generating program, and even then it wouldn't work. Most, most college athletic departments do not make money. That's a true thing. Most of them are not Texas, Alabama, and Ohio State, which is why a lot of people think ultimately there will be you know 15 to 20 schools that break off from the NCAA and do their own thing. All right. Um, did you have anything else? No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, ben Standing next. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team980.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.